Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Abbas Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And so the show, we've got a case study Sunday. And to walk us through it today, we have got Andrew Nichol on the show. Oh, Andrew Nichol, that famous guy from <laughs> Opus Partners. Oh, that wannabe famous Infamous. guy from Opus Partners. So, so I thought this would be a really interesting one. And I just met with these investors again for a follow-up, a post-settlement meeting. Now, a post-settlement meeting, if you're dealing with Opus Partners, is once you've settled it, rental property, or in this case, a couple of rental properties, we update your wealth plan. And these guys had come to me, I just, I was refreshing my memory of what their situation looked like when they first came to see me. And that was one year and one month ago. So Aaron and Natasha came to see me about a year ago. At the time, they were 57 years old, both of them 57 years old. And they live in a house that they've completely paid off. So they're mortgage free, which is pretty exciting. Now, they had a rental property which was under construction that they'd gone and bought themselves, and they'd put some cash into that, so they were getting into the rental market, and I think they were listening to the podcast at the time from memory. If I remember rightly, they'd listened to the podcast, gone out and bought a rental property, then someone came and said, hey, we want some advice and we want to be able to grow that portfolio. Now, the first rental property that they bought was in Blenheim. Why'd they choose Blenheim? Are they locals there? Yes, they are. Okay, great, great. So they decided they wanted something close to where they live. And so that was their first rental property, again, with pretty low debt. So they must have had a sizable cash deposit. Like, what are we talking, like 60%, 50%? I think from memory, because I didn't give them any advice on that first property or, or, or didn't advise them at the start, they were referred to me by their mortgage broker, I think they had about 40% deposit. Was that a new built property? Yep. That's probably not the right way to do it, is it? Because if you're putting no. in a 20% cash deposit for a new build, just briefly, I know I'm taking you off topic, but as soon as that settles, it's going to be an existing property and require a 40% cash deposit. The issue you have in that scenario is that you're not going to be able to borrow against that property as soon as it settles. So if you're trying to grow a portfolio, you'd probably only put in a 20% cash deposit that's because what that's I, the minimum. That's what I would normally recommend. Now, it didn't actually matter because these guys have got quite good disposable income. So they earn roughly about 200 grand a year combined. So strong incomes and no real debt other than that rental property at 60% lending, let's say. Now, what they do is they diligently take a good amount of savings every week or fortnight out of their pay, and they put that against their rental property now. So they're at a stage in their life where they don't owe anything on their personal mortgage, so they can actually pay down debt. Oh, that's really important, because one question we've often had on this podcast previously is, why don't you pay down debt on investment properties? And we always say, pay down your own home first. Put all your money towards that. Don't focus on paying down two mortgages at once. In this case. They can pay down investment debt because their own home mortgage is already gone. Absolutely. Now, because they've just had two rental properties settle in relatively quick succession, so what I did is I put... Well, you didn't tell us how they bought the next one. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So what we did was we put together a wealth plan, and I think actually at that stage it wasn't with the wealth plan software. It might have been me just using a spreadsheet at that stage. And I put together a bit of a, okay, well, what does it look like if we've got two more rental properties? And we diversify a little bit. So what we did is we bought a house in Christchurch, about 15 minutes from town. So a really good location called Spring Grove. And then we did a two-bedroom townhouse in Auckland. Okay. Now they Which the, part of Auckland? Ranui. So that was the Metcalf Road development that I might have spoke about on this podcast before. So just for context, for anybody not familiar with Auckland, Ranui is out in West Auckland. Yep. So they put deposits down on both of those. Now, they had the cash to do that as well. So they put 10% deposits on each of those, and they let that construction happen in the background while they finished the rental property that they had in Blenheim. Now, 
What I thought the first thing we should do, because we ended up in a position where they'd paid down their entire Lennon mortgage and they... Oh, wait, by what yeah. point? By the time we sat down again, one year and one they month They paid later, off 60% of the mortgage in a single year. They came into some cash, so that allowed them to pay down their revolving credit that was against their existing rental property in Blenheim. Now, they'd also paid the deposits, the 10% deposits, on the two rental properties, Christchurch and Auckland. Was that from inheritance, or was that I that, that saved it? I actually didn't ask them. Sometimes it's a little bit awkward to ask where a lump of cash is, especially if it is inheritance or something like that, because it's a little bit of, um, it's sad money. These guys must be excellent savers, though, they are, to- they are brilliant savers. And I imagine that they came to you when they were 57 years old. If they had a household income of 200k, I imagine that they'd been saving pretty hard for probably at least a decade yep. if they're able to put down a 40% cash deposit and then potentially have cash for these other investment properties. Yeah, so they've got a little bit of debt on the first rental property, the one in Blenheim, and that's because they borrowed extra towards the deposits of the two new new builds. So then we've got the Christchurch one has a little bit of debt, and then the one in Auckland's got a small mortgage on it. Now, the first thing I wanted to know is what's cash flow going to look like over the next few years, particularly while interest rates are higher, because they signed up for these when interest rates were low. Now, interest rates are much higher. Now, the good thing is they did get a lot more rent than we originally budgeted for. I'm going to show you, Ed, and you're going to describe to all the listeners What does it look like from the cash flow, for the 15-year cash flow for them? The cash flow for them is primarily positive. There's a wee bit of negative gearing just in the first couple of years while interest rates are high. But we're talking about uh, combined maybe $3,000. So it's not significant for these guys. And I'll tell you what what it works out to be. So over a 15-year projection, which is what we typically do, it's $374,000 positive income plus growth being 5% for Blenheim, 5% for Christchurch, and 6% for Auckland of $3.7 million. Pretty good. Yeah, that won't be inflation adjusted because you're using that specific spreadsheet, which doesn't inflation adjust. No, it doesn't inflation adjust. But that's okay. What I did was I updated their wealth plan. I'm glad you asked me. Now, they said that they would like to have a passive income of $120,000 a year in 11 years. Now, that would take them to 68. Now, you might be thinking, do these people want to work for three extra years past the normal age of eligibility? No, they don't. But they've got enough time to save for those first three years. So they're allowing 10 years worth of growth or 11 years worth of growth in these properties. Now, if I just put in the KiwiSaver that they've got at the moment, which was a couple of hundred thousand, and they both put in 3% as contributions and get 3% match from their employer. And if I just put in the property that they already owned, first of all, and so we can see the before and after, they were on track, without factoring in the government superannuation, they would have a passive income, the equivalent of $77,000 a year. Okay, pretty close. Pretty close. Now, with those two additional properties and the debt that they've got on those, if they continue to hold those and get 5% growth in Christchurch and 6% growth, in Auckland, by the time they reach their goal, their passive income is $116,000. So they're basically bang on the money. They need to save another $97,000 or another $9,000 a year. Now, these guys are making me think of a conversation I had with one of our financial advisors the other day about investor they're about to meet. 
This woman was 61 years old and wanted to start investing in property. And one of the questions the financial advisor had, I was talking to Stevie and our team, was, is that too old? And the question is, it always depends on what resources you have, what sort of income you've got, what job you're in. If you're in a manual labor type industry, you're probably not going to work as long than if you're a lawyer and can stay chained to your desk 12 hours a day until your age of 75. But what is true is that this typical growth strategy might not work for somebody who's 61 years old, where you're talking about buying a property, holding it for 11 years and banking on the capital growth. You might focus on a different strategy like paying down debt. I'm thinking about that now because these guys show that you can be a little later on in life, 57, but still start investing. But the thing that's allowing them to do that is that they've saved up so much cash already. Yes, and the other part to it is because we do harp on about interest only, interest only, interest only, that's not necessarily forever. So one of their mortgages is a revolving credit and they pay that down. So they are diligently paying down debt now that they have no personal mortgage and it's an efficient use of money. So just because we say interest only is typically what someone does, doesn't mean that that's forever. So if you're the type of investor that wants to pay down debt, absolutely, you can build a model around that as well. Well, that's a really good point. I remember probably two, three years ago, we had another investor come in who was 60 years old. She was a single woman on a really good income. Now, the right strategy for her is similar to these guys, which is that if you're very close to retirement, banking on capital growth over the next 10 to 11 years is not always the best decision because that comes with a bit of risk because we're talking about taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Now, for her, the answer to how she's going to invest in property is buy the property, but since she was already mortgage-free, do what these guys are doing, which is paying down debt. Now, once you get closer to retirement, that's where you start paying down on your investment properties to create that wealth as well as having the capital growth. But they're doing it through a revolving credit so that if they then want to use that revolving credit to fund their lifestyle for a couple of years in retirement, they can take that money back out without having to sell any of the assets. Or to reapply for the mortgage, which is the most important part. Yes. The other part to this as well is what we've done is we've allowed $120,000 of gross income at this stage. Now, they would really like to have that as net income. So what we've done is we've left out the government superannuation and they're going to use that to contribute towards their tax. The other thing, even though we've closed, like I said to them yesterday, when I met with them again, you guys should have a bottle of wine tonight and celebrate because you've done it. You're there. Like you are absolutely going to retire with the income that you want. But excuse me, Andrew Nicol, it sounds like you're guaranteeing that there's going to be capital growth. But they've done everything they can to achieve the projected growth, right? We can't control what happens with growth over there. What we're going to do, and if you'd let me finish, Edward Christian, what we're going to do to combat... Don't any... say my middle name on the podcast. <laughs> People start impersonating me again. <laughs> He's had his identity stolen. One of the things that we're going to do to combat any slow down in the market that means that they don't get that growth is they want to use the equity they've created to add another property on. Now, they're not going to do that right away. What they're going to do is continue to save. In year three, they make $20,000 a year positive income from their portfolio. We're going to put that towards contributions of another rental property. Have they considered that when they purchase that next property, getting a yield property instead of a growth? I don't think we will because it's going to be a 10-year period, probably or close to a 10-year period at that stage. But that's still enough time to get decent growth. Okay, so let me ask you this. In three years' time, they're going to be 60, 61 depending on how the maths work, 
are they still going to be able to get a mortgage at age 61? Well, look, we're going to have to see what the banks will allow at that stage. But remember, if they're continuing to pay down debt, if they're showing a really good positive income from their portfolio, I wouldn't have thought it would be an issue. And if not, they're quite happy to use a non-bank lender because we've tested it at higher rates. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you do at that stage, especially since the LVR on their portfolio is going to be exceptional. They've got no debt on their personal home. The Blenheim's completely paid off. They've got two investment properties with debt, but they're going to be paying that down aggressively. And if it's giving a decent positive cash flow, then they're going to be able to use that to cover it. That's right. And if all else fails, again, there's $370,000 that that portfolio is generating between now and when they cash it in later on anyway. One last thing I just want to point out, the reason that their portfolio is cash flow positive all comes down to their debt position. We just released a video on our YouTube channel, which you should go to and subscribe, by the way, just Google Opus Partners YouTube, all about what does a good cash flow look like in 2023? And of course, all of the examples we gave have negative cash flow. And the reason is that if you borrow 100% of the money to invest in today's market at today's interest rates, your properties are going to be cash flow negative the vast majority of the time. But these guys are investing in today's market at higher interest rates, but the properties are cash flow positive. Well, it's, the reason is that the Blenheim property's got no debt. So they've eliminated their largest cost in property investment, which of course is the interest you pay to the bank. And so that property is going to have really good cash flow, which is covering the shortfall for the other properties as well, as they continue to pay down debt on the other investment properties that do have mortgages on them, that is going to improve the cash flow position as well. So the question on whether something has positive cash flow or negative cash flow often just comes down to, well, what's the size of the mortgage and what's the interest rate you're paying? And this is a really good example of that. And I do think this is a good case study for anyone who is a little bit older, thinking maybe I've left it too long because these guys, you know, they had one property which was going to get them a good chunk of the way there, but not all the way there. And so they were brave enough to take some action. And I tell you what, they're pretty thankful that they did. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And tell you, if you want to get the same service that these guys got, might be time to come in for a portfolio planning session. Easy way to do that, go to opuspartners.co.nz. Great big orange button that says get started in the, <laughs> uh, up at the top right corner. Click that, pop your details in and we'll give you a call. See if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Cedric Knight. Nickel. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you be the most of the use on the property market. Until next time.